listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Glad to be here, excited about this series. Actually, we're talking about money, and I know that a lot of you are out there going, ah, another money series. All the church ever wants to talk about is money. Uh, Okay, first of all, that's totally not true. We talk about all kinds of things besides money, Um, but money is important. And I will start off with this. So before you send me any emails about, gosh, I wish you'd talk about something else, I've never met anybody who has God's perspective on money that has a problem with a finance series. I've just never met that person. And so if you're sitting there going, oh, I hate it when the church talks about money. In the words of John Christ, check your heart. (laughs) Because I, 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 John Chris is a comedian, so uh, I'm not trying to slap you. But honestly, like, the, this is a part. And, you know, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is a lot of people that are connected to me, a lot of people on staff, a lot of our, um, my friends. Uh, and uh, Sarah talked about it last week when she was up here. Like, the word that God has given her for the year for her own life is breakthrough. And, and I, there's this sense of this impending breakthrough that God wants to work in our in our body, in our group of people here. And I'm super stoked about that. But here's what I want to say. If you want breakthrough in your life, generosity is the key that, t- that turns the lock. Remember I told you worship is the doorway to God's working in your life. It is. It got, worship is the doorway. Generosity is the key that turns the lock. And so uh, it's just got to be part of your life. There's no escaping it. So I want to talk about it. I'm going to be real straightforward with you. Not, not in any sense angry or like I'm not upset, not trying to beat anybody up. I just want to be straightforward as I can be because what happens in, the, in America especially, we have, we have more money than any place else in the world, right? And we don't want to talk about money. And if we don't have enough money uh, we'll just, or more money than any other country in the world, we'll just print more. That's what we do. Um, we just, oh, oh, there's another country that has more money than us? We'll print more money. So we have more, right? So this is what we do. We have more money, but we don't want to talk about it. And so what happens is we want to be like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Because we don't want, and, and then new people come to know the Lord, which is awesome, but then nobody talks about generosity. So the pastor says, be generous, and nobody has any frame of reference of what that means. What does it look like to be generous? What, is, what actually would qualify as generous? And what would qualify as meh? Like, what, where are those lines? And, and how do we, because we, so for me, I'm just like, I, I just want to, I'm just going to put myself out there. <laughs> so they're just going to stand and, and talk. We're going to have a real conversation about generosity, a real conversation about it, right? Um, this real life ministries, that's who we are. We're going to talk about real life things in a real life way. And, and maybe you'll be offended and maybe you won't. Hopefully you'll be inspired. Um, I, I just want us to have everything that God wants for you in your life. That's my hope. Um, so we talked earlier, or last week, we talked about uh, God kind of gave us two words for the year. And, and last week I gave you the first one, which is prayer. Um, the words for the year is prayer. We're going to be more intentional about prayer and uh, factoring prayer into our body life. We're going to have more um, prayer events, more kind of prayer times, prayer, prayer things in our home groups and those kinds of things. Prayer is going to be a big piece. But the second word that we want to um, tackle this year is generosity. Because I believe that God wants to do new things amongst us. 
And generosity is the key that turns the lock. And so we're going to unlock breakthrough for all of us. Now, for those of you that, some of you, your church background, you're like, that sounds really awkward. Not, it's not as weird as it sounds. Just, I just want you to experience God in brand new, powerful ways, and generosity is going to be a catalyst for that. So we're going to do that this year. We're going to focus on prayer and generosity, and we're going to, we're going to give opportunities for all of us to step up and be generous. Uh, Proverbs 11.25, it says this, the generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The, the generous person will... Now, listen, this isn't a prosperity gospel. I'm not trying to pitch like, sow a seed of faith, uh, reap a harvest of blessing. Uh. Like, I'm not, that's not me at all, not in any way. Like, give me a hundred, God will give you a thousand. Uh, that's not how I play this game. Um, it's not. I, I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that that's biblical. But there is a, a lot of work in the scriptures, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but there is a lot in the scriptures that your generosity marks a position for you for blessing for the, from the Lord. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like. Um, I want to give us today four things. I don't want to get all technical on you. Four things that happen when you're generous. Okay? Um, <clears throat> so four truths about generosity, four um, realities of givingness. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but four things that happen when we're generous. Um, number one, when you give, you fulfill your purpose. Um, <clears throat> and this is significant because you walk out of here as a follower of Jesus. You call yourself a Christian. You walk out of here and show the rest of the world what your God is like. Like we've talked a lot about that over the years, that we put our God on display to the world. That's who we are, and that's why we talk about, like, you should never, you, you should never uh, give a hard time to the grocery store clerk. You should never do that, because that's not what God would do. You should never tell a waiter or a waitress how bad they are at their job, or like, oh my gosh, this food's all messed up. How can you guys never get anything right? Oh, my word. Like, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you should never do that. Never. Like, you should never, ever get drunk in public. You should never do that. Because when you do, you act a fool, and you don't put God on display well, right? You say, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you're to go out and put your God on display to the world. Like, that's who we are. So we have to reflect him accurately. I want to look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It says, And God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. So here's the thing. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, Dan. When God looks in a mirror, he sees your face. Like you're the reflection. You're the image of God. That's who you are, right? So you then have to go out there and put God on display well. You have to reflect his image accurately because that's who you are, right? So your purpose 
is to represent God accurately. Question, is our God a generous God? And, and that says so much about, like, how you answer that question says so much about your freedom to be generous. Because if you believe that God is, like, standing in heaven waiting for you to get out of line so he can correct you, then, then that's how your generosity will be. If, if you have a God that's like, man, I, I, am so, I have so much money. I, I don't know if you know this. God's streets are gold. Your streets are asphalt and dirt, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but there's a value discrepancy there. Like, God doesn't need your money. He never did. He could bury your house in $100 bills tomorrow. I've been praying for you. <laughs> that God would do that. Um. <laughs> Apparently he hasn't because I don't have anybody being like, that's my story, man. <laughs> it's, my, it's my testimony. <laughs> if he does, let me know because uh, you owe me. Um, but I'll take a small cut, 50%. You're like, man, that's so much. God only requires 10. Like, see how, see how generous he is? We, God doesn't need your money, but you need to reflect God accurately. So if you have a generous God, you then must also be a generous person. It's just, a, it's a reality of calling yourself a Christian. Like you don't, you can't escape it. You can't be like, I'm a Christian because it benefits me. Well, there are some blessings for you. For sure there are. But that's not why we follow God. We follow God because his gig is the best thing going. Because like, what God wants you to do with your life isn't just right. He's not strong-arming you. He's not like the truth bully. Look at me, I'm right and everyone else is wrong and neener, neener. Um, it's, what God wants for you is better than anything you can come up with on your own. Like, that's the truth. So why not trust it? Second thing that happens when we're generous. When you give... You position yourself for blessing. Now, this is true. Now, I'm going to go back and go, this is not prosperity gospel. But in the Bible, there is a law of seed time and harvest, that what you sow, you will reap. So if you sow generosity, you reap generosity. Um, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Like this is classic story of this guy who gave everything, and oh, it was so hard, and then he got everything. Like, it's this, we, we intrinsically feel this thing that's true, that when, when people are generous, they're, they're, we're so much more willing to give to somebody who's given to us, right? When we are generous, we position ourselves for blessing. Look at Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's got, he's got some riches, right? Streets gold, his doors are pearls. Biggins, big pearls, that's his doors. Um, kind of cool. Kind of cool. Um, he, he's got that kind of riches to supply your needs. When you put yourself in a position of obedience, you, you give yourself an opportunity to receive those blessings. Now, I don't understand how this all works out exactly. What I know is <clears throat> there are some things, there are parts of our Christian life 
that open access to parts of God's working in our life that only those things do. So for example, like prayer, when I pray and ask for things, um, I, I give God the opportunity to, to respond to those. Now, here's a question. If God knows I'm going to pray before I pray it, then why do I even have to pray it? Why doesn't he just give me the stuff, right? Why doesn't he just do that? Well, I don't know. And, and more importantly, I don't think it matters. What does matter is we know it to be true that there are certain parts of God's blessing that we can only access through prayer. So pray. There are certain parts of God's blessing that we can only access through giving. Now, can he give it to us anyway? Sure. But there are certain parts of God's blessing that we can only access through giving. So give. Just, just do it. You can't go, well, God will give it to me anyway. I'm going to put my foot down. Man, that, you're putting yourself in position for disaster. Like, don't do that. Romans 8.32, it says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He didn't even spare his own child for you. A hundred bucks ain't a problem. If you'll put yourself in a position to receive it. But for many of us, we won't. We just, no, I don't want to. And it's so funny because God's like, okay, like with the children of Israel, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we take another lap around the mountain? Are you guys ready to obey us now? No. Okay, another lap around the mountain. Ready to obey me now? No, I do it my way. Okay, another lap around the mountain. Like, how many laps do you need? Right? Like, God's not going to demand it of you. He's not going to, he's not going to like, force you, put you in jail until you comply. He's going to be like, okay, so how's your life going for you? Remember last week we talked about Haggai chapter 1 where he says, listen, consider your ways. You've planted much, but you harvested little. You go out to make money, but you put your money in bags with holes in it. Why do you do that? Like, your problem is you're not making the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Make that your 2019 mantra. Here's a, this is a verse out of Galatians 6, and I, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says this, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, I, I know that this, this verse, when I was in Bible college, when I was young and in my 20s, I was a zealot, and so I used this to beat up on everybody. God cannot be mocked, you liberal commie. Like, like that was my, that was my mindset back then. The Lord has set me free from that. Um, I am living proof that there is a loving God. Um, it's changed me. But that, like, don't be deceived. Don't, <clears throat> don't kid yourself. God can't be mocked. We reap what we sow. And my, my good friend, uh, Steve Mater, he told me this one time, and I've always hung on to it. Like, if what you have in your hand is enough, hold on to it. If you want more, release it and plant it. Invest it. Think about it. Steve's a farmer. Like, think about this with wheat seed. Um, if you have enough wheat in your hand, good. If you need more, let it go and plant it. Invest it. Be generous. Don't invest it in, like, retirement. Invest it in the kingdom. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, here's what it says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So you can't be like, but I was generous. I gave 10 bucks. Well, that's generous if you only made 100. But the, the thing is, for many of us, we're like, we're making six figures and pitching 10 bucks in the, in the church offering and going, hey, look at me, I'm generous. No, you're not. That's not generous. That's not even a good start towards generous. But we don't know that because we don't talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. Here's the deal. God says, when you make money, the first 10% belongs to him. You're like, so I had somebody ask me this weekend, like, well, what about the working poor? What about them? They don't make very much. Well, good news. They don't have to give very much. Ten percent, still ten percent, right? Like, what about them? What I don't have, and 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 I hate, I hate, I hate it when people say to me, "I just don't have enough money to tithe." That's a lie. Like that's a lie that Satan tells you. That's a lie, and and you are free to choose if you want to believe that truth. You're free to choose. You have free will. But I'm just telling you up front, the truth is, if you choose to live by that lie, then you are making decisions by a lie that, that the, the devil told you. Like, just know that. You can, you can choose to live by lies if you want to, but that's the lie you're believing. The truth is, I don't have enough money not to tithe. Because if God ever takes his blessing out of my finances, we are in trouble. Like, we're in trouble. Which leads me into my fourth thing that happens, or my third thing that happens when we are generous. It is this. When you give, you gain perspective. Being generous helps us to gain perspective. I want to read Matthew chapter 6, a section out of it. It says, don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Okay, so let's connect these two ideas. What is this about my heart and storing up treasures in heaven and a good eye, bad eye, healthy eye, unhealthy eye? Well, think about this. The thing that you choose to focus on, that's where you give all your energy to. Now, here's a question. What do you choose to put your focus on? Is your focus on stuff? Cars, motorcycles, nothing, nothing wrong with any of those things. Boats. You know, the weird thing about having a boat is that as soon as you have a boat, you think about upgrading your boat. The thing about having a motorcycle is as soon as you get a motorcycle, it's not like I had, I, I have a motorcycle, or I had one. I had a motorcycle and it started sometimes. And, um, and then I wanted one that started all the time. Like, is that too much to ask, God? <laughs> and, and so I wound up, I was going to sell it. And, and I was like, this is not even worth selling. So I gave it away to somebody who likes to work on bikes. And I don't. I'm one of those people that if you don't turn the key and it turns on, um, then it's time to get a new one. Like, just replace it. But I, that, that's a, like, what are we focusing on? It's weird about how we, when we focus on material things, all we do is want the next cool material thing. 
Because that's where our focus is. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. That, that's, that's where we're going to put our energy into. Maybe it's, maybe it's sports. Like, we got to care about all, and we live and die by a professional team that doesn't even know your name. Like, they would walk down the street, and you would see them, and you would totally fangirl, and they'd be like, get, get away from me. I don't even know you. Right? But we give all of our love and devotion to that. Like, that makes it an idol. It makes it an idol. It's a problem. Nothing wrong with football, nothing wrong with sports, nothing wrong with any of that, but don't make it an idol, right? So our eye, what we focus on, says a lot about where our treasure is. So my question for you is, are you focusing on things to build your own little empire of stuff, or are you focusing on the needs of the world and how you can solve them? Because where your eye is, is where your heart is. And where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Like you can't be generous and need to build an empire of stuff for yourself. So the problem to begin with generosity isn't even the thing of like, I got to pry this money out of my, I know it's right, but. Like that's not even the issue. The issue is we're focusing on the wrong things. We believe that there's something else outside of God's uh, blessing in our life that will bring us real happiness and contentment. And it just isn't true. So let's keep reading. If then the, dark, the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And, which, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. You know that worry is practical atheism. I know you're like, oh man, you're meddling. This was about money. Yep. Worry is you saying, God, you're not big enough to take care of this. what it is. Corey Timboom says worry is carrying tomorrow's weight with today's strength. Like that's really cool. That's a great way to see it. Like you're, you're worried about things you can't control out here and Jesus is like, look, what kind of a God do you serve? What kind of a God do you serve? I love the analogy. This is bonus material. Bonus material. None of the other services got this. I love the analogy uh, or the lesson that I learned in Israel so Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a kid's sack lunch, right? Five loaves and two fish. You know what the next story is? They get in the boat and they go across the lake and a storm comes up. So here's a question. When Jesus fed 5,000 people with a kid's sack lunch, do the disciples believe that Jesus did a miracle? Here's my answer. What difference does it make if the very next time they have an opportunity to trust him, they freak out? What difference does it make if you believe that God has the power to do miracles if it doesn't change how you live your life? What difference does it make? Why do you worry about this stuff? Just do what God asks you to do. I bet he'll take care of you. 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow I have enough trouble of its own. Um, I want to be clear about something. Um, this doesn't mean that God's going to give you a new outfit every week. Like, I trust God so I can go shopping, right? And maybe if you're yard sailing, you'll find But I'll tell you what God did for the children of Israel. They're wandering around in the desert, and God said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you sandals that don't get holes in them and clothes that don't wear out. What, what he may do for you is take the things that you have and help them go further. Like that would be just as much God's blessing, right? So it may not be give 100, get 1,000. That, that math may not be the math in your life. The problem for many of us is that if God gave us 1,000, it, it wouldn't be helpful for us. It would bury us. We don't know how to steward that kind of resources. I think that for many people, they pray like, Lord, give me a million bucks. If he did, it would wipe you out. Re look at people who win the lottery. All I need is a big infusion of cash. Really? Because for many of them, like 80 plus percent of them, it destroys them. And within five years, they've lost it all. I'm like, how do you even spend $85 million? I, I would like to find out. The problem isn't the money. The problem isn't the money when you have it, and the problem isn't the money when you don't have it. The problem is our perspective. And when we're generous, it helps us with our perspective. Fourth thing that happens when we're generous. When we're generous, we partner with God, which is the goal of all of this, is that we partner with God. God has invited us to partner with him to restore what sin broke in the world. I want to read Psalm 37 to you, a section out of it. Here's what it says. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. How do we know that they're righteous? They give generously. How, and we all see it. Because the righteous, now this isn't a big like, oh, look at me and my giant checkbook. It's not like that. Look at all the zeros, you know, on the right-hand side of the decimal point. I write... 15 zeros on the right-hand side of the decimal point. It's not, like the, it's not like that for a righteous person, but everyone knows that a righteous person is generous, and the righteous person doesn't have a problem with people knowing that they're generous because that reflects the heart of God. I'm not being generous so that you see me. I'm being generous so that you know what my God's like. It's a different perspective. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, now I'm old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken. How do I know that they're righteous? Because they're being generous. Never seen anyone who's been generous forsaken, and I've never seen their children begging for bread. I don't have enough money to tithe. Not according to Psalm 37. They're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. 
Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. This is important. Like you, we can dance all day long with all of our excuses. God says be generous. Either you, there's, take, take all the junk away from this conversation, all the emotions, all the fears, all the whatever. I've never done it this way before. You, you're being a bully. All you, all you talk about, take all that stuff away. God says it, okay? There's what you will do and there's what you won't do. You will obey him or you will not. This is an easy math conversation. So here's what we have for you. Um, as, a, as your pastor, I want our church to start 2019 with, a, with like a really big act of faith, like a big step of faith for all of us. And so you, when you came in, or if you didn't get it when you came in, you can get it on your way out at, on the tables of the wooden boxes with these little cards, little commitment cards. I want you to commit for 90 days to tithe the way God asks you to tithe. No excuses, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Just for 90 days, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. So if you're already tithing, Thank you, first of all, for being faithful. You've, you've actually, I mean, you facilitate ministry happening in some really cool th- ways. Um, I want you to fill that card out as well. If you're, if you're like, okay, we'll try it. We'll try it for 90 days. For 90 days, fill the card out, drop it in the wooden box. If at the end of the 90 days, you're in a worse financial position than you are today, your obligation is fulfilled. Listen, there are a whole lot of places that we put God to the test where God says, do not test me here. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, put me to the test. See if I won't do something amazing in your life. I'm paraphrasing. So put him to the test. Have a step of faith. This is 90-day faith challenge. You've all, you're all doing 90-day fitness challenge. Do a, do a 90 day faith challenge and see what God does in your life. If you want breakthrough, generosity is the key that turns the lock. I'm, I'm just inviting you to be a part of it. We're doing it. My wife and I are doing it. We're, we're a part of this. Um, not that we haven't, we always have tithed. In fact, my wife and I more than tithe, which I, if you're here and you've been walking with the Lord for a while, I think you should be looking 10% in the rearview mirror. Like, you should find ways to be more and more and more generous. My wife and I give, out of the entire of our income, 18.5% of our income, we give to church, not just this church, but we give 13% to this church. We give 5.5% other places. And I don't say it to brag. I say that because nobody has a frame of reference for what generosity looks like. So try that. Like I couldn't live on 80% of my income. Just for the record, then you're outliving your means um, already. So, like, try it. Try it. Let's do the challenge. Let's do it together. I have one, uh, one couple of stories, and then, and then we'll tie it down. Um, I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. Several years ago, I, um, I did a thing with my kids. My wife and I were feeling like... Uh, 
our kids were growing up entitled. Um, they weren't, they didn't have any sense of gratitude. And um, I don't like that. Like, if there's anything that ever sets me off, like, I just don't deal with it well, is it's entitlement. Like, I deserve a certain standard of living. No, you can get off your butt and go to work, right? Like, you don't deserve anything. You go work. That's, like, just that's the mindset that was ingrained in me. So when I see entitlement, I don't like it. And I've seen it in my kids, and I was like, "Uh, we either need to do something or um, I'm going to put a pillow over their face while they're sleeping. Uh, Those little angels. So at the time... At the time, they were 16, 14, 12, and 8. And uh, uh, my wife and I sat them down, and we gave them all $5. And I said, here's, the, here's what's going on with this uh, money. This is my money, and I'm giving it to you, but you cannot spend it on yourself. And they were like, what? Like, I have money, and I can't spend it on myself? Like, you know, mind blown. Um, so, yep, you've, you've got to find a way to help somebody with this money. You're going to give it to somebody else. Can't not spend it on yourself. Now, what was interesting is the 8-year-old and the 12-year-old, they immediately knew what they were going to do with that money, and it was cool. The, uh, my 8-year-old uh, bought a Starbucks card for her teacher and um, gave, made a card for her and gave it to her, which was really cool. And um, it's like, you're the best teacher ever, my favorite one, and, which is great because she was the only teacher that she had at the time. <laughs> like, um, uh, like I'm, I'm your favorite Aaron in this room. That's kind of one of those things. But, uh, the, you know, that's, anyway, so she did that right away. Uh, my next in line was like, hey, I have a friend at school whose family's really hurting, and I don't know if this will help much or not, but I'm going to give it to him, and maybe it'll help his family out. Great. Now, my older two are a little bit different. Um, my 16-year-old was like, this is dumb. <laughs> like a 16-year-old. This is dumb. I'm like, really? Tell me about that. Well, first of all, you gave this money to me, so it's my money. I was like, if there was ever a parallel to how we look at God's money that he gives us, right? Like, you gave it to me, it's my money, right? Uh, I said, no, yes, I'm giving it to you. No, it's not yours. It's mine. You have to, and she's like, what am I going to do with five bucks? Like, what difference is five bucks going to make? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what difference five bucks is going to make. I just want you to be obedient to doing what you're being asked to do, right? So, okay, Uh, like two months went by, and she comes to me after school one day, and she's like, Dad, I spent my generosity money. I said, really, what'd you do? She goes, well, um, I went to the librarian to pay off a late fee, and I asked the librarian who in, in the school is the person with the highest amount of late fees. So the librarian pulled it up, and she said, I want you to put this on that bill, which Number one, the person who actually had the late fees is never going to even know that that happened, right? Except for they're going to walk up and go, oh, it's $5 less than I thought, you know? The librarian asked my daughter, why are you doing that? So my daughter explained, here's what my family's doing. The librarian starts to cry. She's like, that's the coolest thing I have ever heard. The one that had the biggest impact on people around them was the one that came from, this is nothing. What, what, is, what can this meager gift do? 
Which, for those of you that are like, what, what difference does my tithe make? It's not about what difference your tithe makes. It's about you being obedient and God takes care of the results. And when you do that, you make his name great. Which is the point of all of this anyway. Like, trust him. Let's do it for 90 days. Let's do it for 90 days. See what he does. Let's watch the breakthrough happen. We're going to move towards the Lord's table, which for those of you that are new, we take communion together every week. And that means that uh, we have an open table. If anybody who, uh, who wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us wants to partake, you can. You're welcome to do that. But we want you to hold the elements till the end. We'll take them all together. One of the things that we're doing this, uh, this spring semester with our um, home groups is uh, we're going to go back to sermon-based home groups where we're talking about the sermon, and we want to set you guys up for success. I know a lot of you that have never been in a home group, you're like, man, those home groups sound scary. It sounds like they talk about their feelings and cry and stuff. I don't want to do that. Right? I don't even, I have one feeling. No. <laughs> I had somebody that told me that they weren't a feeler, and I ran them through this exercise that I do where I give them a sheet of 350 emotions and say, any emotion that's connected to how you're feeling about this situation, throw it up on a board. They're like, I'm not really a feeler. 96 different emotions attached to this one. I was like, so you're not a feeler? Yeah. They talk about their feelings. I don't want to do that. Okay, so here's what I want to do. Um, what we're going to do instead of implications is we're going to start putting the questions that we're going to talk about in the home group in the sermon notes. So we're going to close down. Instead of closing with implications, we're going to close with our questions for the week. So you can be thinking and processing those as you, um, as you consider what you're going to be talking about in the group this week. And for those of you that are group leaders, this gives you an opportunity to get ahead of the game and, and prepare. And, and I would say that for some of these things, as we start thinking about being generous, that it would be great for you as a home group to be considering really what, what you can do as a home group. Um, I'll tell you this, I heard about a home group that did something similar to what we did with our family where they would take a brown paper bag and every week um, everybody in the group would come and they'd bring like three bucks or five bucks or something like that, but they'd put it all in the brown paper bag and then they'd give it to one person in the group and then that person had to go and find a place to be generous that week and that person would change each week and then they'd have to come back and report to the group, here's what I did and here's how it went. Right? Like it's kind of a cool way for our, for our home groups to do something tactile with, with generosity. Here's the first question. You were made in the image of God to be like him in his character. In relation to generosity, what could you do to look more like him? It's a good question. Be thinking about that. Even for those of us that choose generosity as a lifestyle, like we could be more, what could we do to be more generous? Question number two. In the Bible, there is a law of seed time and harvest. How are you reaping what you've sown in your life right now? And I would say both on the good side, how are you reaping what you've sown, and on the negative side, how are you reaping what you've sown? Like, we talked about this in our Roman series, right? Like, this was kind of a central theme in it. Acts that lead to life lead to life. Acts that lead to death lead to death. So you can choose acts that lead to death, but you can't be mad when you reap what you sowed. Question number three. How does generosity 
shape your perspective? And how does pushing against generosity shape your perspective? Like what, is, what does that do for you? Question number four. God is inviting each of us to partner with him in redeeming the whole world. Can you trust him enough to follow his leading in how we do that? And maybe this is where, for you home group leaders, maybe this is where you start to sit down and go, okay, what does that look like for us as a group? What does that look like for us as a group? How can we do that? I love taking communion on the heels of this conversation because this, like, God didn't even spare his own son. If, he, if he's not going to spare his own son to tell you how much you, he loves you, will he not supply your need according to his riches and glory? And the question is, will you trust him with that? This reminds us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the dinner, he took a cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. Thank you, God, that you have... Um, great plans in store for us. Thank you that your dreams for us are bigger and better than our best attempts at having dreams for ourselves. And God, I pray that you would allow us to see the lies of the devil for what they are and that you would give us the courage to not let anything stand in the way of your best for our life. In your name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Also, if you enjoyed this message, make sure you check out the new podcast from our lead pastor, Aaron Couch, called A Better Conversation. Search for it on our website, iTunes, and the Google Play Store.